Hello, and welcome to Hard Fried History, a hybrid history and comedy podcast run by two aspiring entertainers. Podcast is more of a rant, really. That have failed at almost everything else. I don't fail because I don't try, so there. We appreciate you checking us out, and if you want to see extra content, follow us on Instagram or give us a like on Facebook at Hard Fried History. Subscribe to us on YouTube or tell us we're full of shit on Twitter at, at HFH Podcast. If you like going that extra mile, give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening and leave us a a flattering a glowing review and of course tell your friends family and even people you don't like about us that's right again thank you for listening and without further ado the episode episode exciting episode of hard fried history today we're going to be talking about the stonewall riots and the onset of the gay liberation movement and this is kind of like the inciting incident we're going a little bit inverted because we have there's some like uh some prior dominoes we wanted to set up uh, but we'll do that in subsequent weeks, just kind of detailing the discrimination that gay people and lesbians faced in America, in the, especially like the early 20th century, mid 20th century for sure. Mm-hmm. But that's that's another episode. Today we're doing Stonewall Riots. And we're going to start Act 1, which I will title Friction. So on May to June of 1962, to give you an idea of the kind of legislation that like gay men faced around this time. Craig Rodwell is arrested for wearing a bathing suit out of regulation. Uh, yeah. So just to show you that the, even the bathing suit that like gay men could wear, I think maybe for women as well, I'm not entirely sure on this, was, uh, was regulated. It had to cover the navel or belly button and reach like a midway point between the knees and the groin. And I guess he wasn't, Craig Wilder wasn't wearing it. And so he was imprisoned. I'm sorry, he is arrested and then tried, given the maximum penalty of $25. And then he could not pay that. So he has to spend three days in prison. And while he's in prison, he's like beaten, I think, by police or by the other inmates. And I think at this time, he was also the boyfriend of Harvey Milk. And Harvey Milk breaks up with Craig Rodwell while he's in prison. He attempts suicide. He fails at that. And he kind of like wanders around. I think he pops over to L.A. for a little bit before fully committing himself once he gets back to New York to the Manachine Society, the New York branch in 1964. And the Manachine Society, I think it was founded in Washington or San Francisco, but there are like various chapters and it's all about advancing gay rights and whatnot. Okay. 1964, and the gay part of town between Greenwich Avenue and 8th Street in New York, there's a large police crackdown coordinated by then-Mayor Robert Wagner in preparation for the New York World Fair. Because kind of throughout 
the 50s and 60s. I'm not sure exactly when there was like a, a migration of gay individuals, gay people to Greenwich Village, and it became like a, a very gay part of town. And so in preparation, just to kind of give you the idea of the discrimination they're facing and just that they were, that gay people were thought of as like an eyesore. So they're yeah. having this New York World Fair and all of a sudden like mayor's like, oh, we got to get all the gay people off the street because nobody wants yeah. to see that, you know? Yeah, no, they, 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 yeah, they did that with all, like, the, all the people that they didn't like. They were just like, oh, you guys got to, you got to disappear. Um, yeah. That's uh, yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was a movie. I don't know if it was a book I read. But just like describing what it was like to be gay in the 50s in New York City is just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's just like, it's a lot. It's a lot. There's yeah. a lot of discrimination. A lot of like, just always wonder if you're just going to get killed. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like, We're going to talk about it more in a subsequent episode on the Lavender Scare. But yeah. the craziest thing is, is I think... And I can't speak for everywhere because I don't know enough about it. But at least from what I've read about like Washington, D.C., in the 20s and 30s, it was like pretty popping. And people didn't really give a shit if you were if you were gay or not. But there was something I think inaugurated in the 50s. I think I, I don't know if you can directly trace it to the onset of the Lavender Scare, which brought down this this oppressive cloud on LGBTQ individuals. But. I mean, so maybe something shifted, you know, because it used to be like you didn't really give a shit. At least that's the way the Lavender Scare book is making it seem is that it wasn't, it wasn't I, that big I don't of a deal. And then, and then like mid-century, and I don't know. Maybe it's that to change. It maybe it's the mid thing. It's the whole thing about the twenty. I don't know. Like the twenties just seemed like a wilder time, and yeah. a funner time than like the fifties just happened. It feels like yeah, yeah. something. There's some new new shit going on. Yeah. We gotta some, we gotta fight these Reds. Who are these moral Reds? Laws. You know, I don't know it. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. So while the crackdown's going on, there are these three individuals who are very important to the gay liberation movement. Frank Comedy, Craig Rodwell, the guy who was arrested, and Dick Leach. He's solidifying, they're all solidifying ties between the Mattachine Society and the Daughters of Belitis, or DOB, which is a lesbian organization. And Frank Comedy, in particular, he starts attacking the idea prominent in the scholarship of that time that like homosexuality is an illness and he like pushes the organization to become more militant and they start doing more picketing. One of the first things that they picket against is Fidel Castro's imprisonment of uh, homosexuals or gay people in concentration camps and like forced labor camps is one of the first thing they start yeah. to be like, Hey, like Castro's doing some fuck shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah. That's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, especially. Yeah. With Castro, just like yeah, man. Yep. Everybody, we everybody should have equal access to things. Uh huh. Except the gays, <laughs> like except, that's it. And it's also interesting that it's like, hey, we're yeah. kind of like you know, yeah. we're communist, yeah. Marxist a little bit. Uh, we don't really believe in religion, but yeah. the uh, the institutional <laughs> prejudice of religion is still yeah. uh, still underneath the surface. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, harder to expunge that one. You're yeah. still like, still kind of got that machismo catholicism uh-huh. that excludes gay people even and though you're like it's rooted in catholicism which you know you don't deep really down bro. As a marxist deep down. But whatever you know deep whatever. down you're just a little altar boy uh-huh no deep matter down. how many no matter Something how much happened. marx you read mm-hmm. you're still a little altar boy you're still a little altar boy man <laughs> little little i got nothing 
October. You, you, you just, you just uh, held yourself up from saying something. Little altar okay. boy Fidel. Little Fidelito. Altar boy Fidelito. There we okay. go. Right. October 1964. There's the nude of Ed Coach and Carol Greitzer. And Carol Greitzer, they're both, I think they're both like city council people. Yeah. They're Democrats of the first district of New York. They announced that they were launching a campaign against the homo. Uh, gay people, homosexuals of Greenwich Village. And so there's like a heavy police um, police presence and they start to like infiltrate like known places where gay people would hang out. And there's the issue of entrapment where police officers would dress in like provocative clothing and basically uh, entice a gay person. And then as soon as the gay person would agree to go home with the police officer, they'd be like, ah, this is illegal. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, you know, and then they'd arrest that person. They're just like one dude who's just way too good at it. Basically, no, just there were like stories that they would be dressed like super pro- uh, provocatively. Like, who wears short shorts? NYPD wears short shorts, yeah. okay? They. Yeah. <laughs> no holds shorts, barred, okay? <laughs> short shorts, you know, just, just, just letting it like, oh man, no way that dude's a cop. It's, yep, no way. His calves He's dressed are too, too, yeah, yeah. too, mus- too muscular. His machismo would never allow him to yeah. dress like this, as a matter yeah. of fact. And then it's like, ha! Yeah. Nope. Gotcha. You can, always, right? you can always tell a cop, man. You can always mm-hmm. tell a cop by their calves. Two, that's right. That's, that's right. Man. That's one thing I... That's one thing I do <laughs> <laughs> So president-elect of the Manasheen Society, Dick Leach, he wants an end to an entrapment, and they're all pushing for that. Mid-1960. This place called the, it's in Greenwich Village on Christopher Street. The the Stonewall Inn restaurant Mm -hmm. burns down. And as a result, owners want to sell it. And so it's bought, I I imagine, a fairly low price by this guy known as Fat Tony. Yeah. This guy known as Fat Tony, right? And he and three other mob guys invest in it. And they only pay, like, I think the number is $3,500. For the entire thing, which they get it at a pretty good price. They just, they don't even really change the name of it. They, they still call it the Stonewall Inn. They go as far as to keep the sign. And I'm pretty sure, like, you can still see restaurant on the sign. Yeah. And they, uh, they paint it black to just to paint the interior of it black to hide all the fire damage in because it was the cheapest thing to do. And it's like, yeah, it's man. got its own vibe, you know? I got it on a, I got it on a discount. I got it on a little bit of a discount, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This a little, I call it a little, yeah, I don't know. My 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 mob. Back. I need to watch Godfather yeah. again. Yeah, uh, turn and uh, turn and burn. You see, we turn yeah. and turn and burn it. Uh. Yeah, little, I can't little. do it either. Yeah, it's no, cool. it's a, you're it's in a, good a, company. A, you know. No, I mean I can do it. I have a pretty sick. On the day of my daughter's wedding, you come. Uh, I'm, I'm butchering this. It was it's pretty really bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta get a little gruffer with it. And uh, that's just the one the, guy. There's multiple guys. You gotta guys. let the grit kind of creep hey, in to, to the vacuum like, voice because you've been okay. around the block for a little while. You mm-hmm. gotta, and you gotta, you gotta pinch your inverted nipples like you okay. Do, you no, you, I mean, is, I, I, you I don't, your higher I don't understand. Right here. This is your, you gotta make sure you get your claws and you, you're pinching your nipples while you're to put there your. Your higher nipples, because they exist on a, a plane other than this physical plane, and the, they're both attached to yourself, but not really a part of your corporeal form, you see. 
Yeah, just move on with the stuff, Brian. <laughs> just keep going because I don't think we can recover. <laughs> so Fat Tony and his cronies, they pay money to this Genoese mob guy yeah. who ran that part of the city. This guy, well, you've probably heard of him before, uh, Maddie the Horse. Maddie the Horse. They pay money to to Maddie Maddie the Horse, right? Yeah, you know I mean. You go see Maddie. He has a thing. You go pick it up. You bring it back to me. It's an easy job. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very Man, love the mob, dog. <laughs> Crazy time. March 1966, there's a, a... So they're still doing renovations. The Stonewall Inn has not yet officially opened. They're just, but it's around, right? And they're, yeah. they're renovating it. Yeah. March 1966, there's this massive attempted enclosure of gay people in like March and February by Chief Inspector Sanford Garelick. They block off like 14 blocks, and it's you know part of this campaign to just like get them off the streets, you know, and so yeah. block off 14 blocks and then just kind of descend on the area. There's uh, like a counter mobilization, a counter movement where you've got all these gay youths chanting up with the village and down with the police. Yeah. There's a meeting between subsequent meeting between like all the top brass of New York city and gay advocate leaders at Judson Memorial church. And they're really grilling garlic to yeah. end entrapment, really holding his feet to the fire regarding that one. The New York Post, it publicly calls for an end to the policy, so they're getting some publicity on the issue. And then yeah. there's just a wave of gay bar closures starting in 1960 by the State Liquor Authority because they basically, or they in some instances, they don't even issue a license to gay people who wanted to open up a bar and the gay bars that did exist they would just claim were like disorderly right and so the reason the mafia is starting to kind of encroach on this is because the government the city government is basically trying to drive is driving people driving gay people underground and so it's making it increasingly harder for them to just exist in public spaces it's almost criminalizing their very existence and so you need to turn towards criminals because they don't have an issue with this and so uh supply demand i guess yeah i mean that's a look it's weird how many times the mob has turned up as the champions of social justice. They the quote-unquote good guys. Yeah, not exactly. Unquote, unquote, At least the guy you have to turn to because they're you actually I mean? very shady and do not. Look, you know, it's the same sort of uh, same sort of machismo and, yeah. and Catholic attitudes that these mob guy have is that they're servicing these yeah. gay people, but like frankly, they were uh, the way the book tells it. The book is uh, Stonewall. Yeah. I think it's I think it's just called Stonewall. It's by David Carter, published in 2014. And the way he tells it is that they were just like disgusted by yeah. the people, by their customers. You know, they did the same thing in like black neighborhoods. They would be like, they would run like all like the the prostitution in like like uh, Southside Chicago, mm. these black neighborhoods, and then but like still just hate black people. Yeah, but still just be making came. a killing. Yeah, all the money yeah. came from black people. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, man, the mob. They just show up and they'll help you. It's just at what cost? Yep. Yeah, like Sup- with supply demand, man. With the unions, they'll be like, "Oh, you're gonna get uh-huh. the union contract. Uh-huh. Uh, we're gonna take a couple points. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna take, take a couple, couple points, okay? Yeah. yeah. Capisce, we're gonna take a few points. Yeah. So they sense the opportunity and they start opening opening gay bars and they're <clears throat> they've got of course connections with the NYPD, mm-hmm. especially like the dirty cops, you know, so yeah. they're able to, to grease the wheels by just paying the right people. And Have you seen Serpico? Uh-uh. Okay, yeah, no, I, at this time, I don't know if there were clean cops. 
Because the way Serpico is telling it, from like, and that's a real story, is like, everybody's on the fucking take. Everybody's fucking is making a little, yeah, I mean, everybody's picking up, everybody's cashing out. You're not picking up. That's how you get shot in the face, but that's a whole different thing. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then they're in counter-protest to yeah. the closure of gay bars. There, there are these things called sip-ins, which is like sit-ins, sip-ins. A group of gay men would basically just go to a bar, announce that they were gay, and then demand service, kind of in the hopes yeah. that they would be refused service because then they can file a complaint to the state liquor authority that the bar was violating their First Amendment right to yeah. free assembly and equal accommodation. And the the idea behind this, or what they were hoping to do, is get the state liquor authority, the SLA, to say that it isn't illegal for homosexuals to be in bars. It forces them to take a clearer stance on the issue since they've been I think at this time operating in like intentionally ambiguous terms, saying yeah. that these bars are disorderly, and that's why we're that's why we're closing them. And it also would make entrapment harder in that if the SLA says, "Yeah, you can be gay in a bar," all of a sudden police don't really have any grounds to arrest the men that they're hitting on or trying to trying to entrap. Yeah, and it's like, well, there's there's no charge here, you know. Yeah, yeah. So this gets us into Act Two. Shall call Sparks. So on March 18th of 1967, the Stonewall Inn opens its doors for business. And yeah. again, it is mob run. Mm-hmm. They did not like the clientele, but they liked the money. And they're in cahoots with the 6th Precinct of NYC because the mob, the mob like isn't really the only organization capable of running a racketeering ring. Like That yeah. was something that I didn't really get to talk about prior to but even even some of those uh some of the places where gay people would congregate they could stay open and avoid a raid if they just you know grease the wheels right if they just uh if they just paid them off so yeah no the the police are the police are uh flexible let's put it that way Uh Mm -hmm. uh-huh oh for, for sure yeah and despite this, there the Stonewall Inn it's still being raided about once uh once a month, like particularly around uh, election time, uh-huh. where you'd get these guys, these city bureaucrats or the guys campaigning for elections who would be campaigning on like law and order, and so you needed you needed something to point to to be like, see, I I did it, right? Yeah. And you know, or or you just get noise complaints from the neighbors who like live above or near the Stonewall Inn, but there were also kind of this shady thing that would go on where like. Sometimes the connections that the mob had inside of the sixth precinct would like tip them off, like, hey, they would come during like the quiet hours, not the super busy hours, and they would they would tell the mob guys like, hey, we're gonna come on this day, make sure you don't have anything incriminating, make sure you don't have any, you know. They kept all their money in like cigar boxes and whatnot because yeah. uh, they're a bottle club. That's how they brand themselves. Is they're a bottle club where people yeah. bring their own bottles. And then they're served from their own bottle, denotated by their name. But the mob guys just like made up a bunch of names and like had quote unquote members sign a ledger to keep up the appearances of Bottle Club. And you know that's why they had the cigar boxes is because it's like well, you can't have a you can't have a cash register because you're not selling anything technically, and so they keep their money in cigar box. And there's all these little like loopholes that they go through to make sure that they have some facade of legitimacy. Yeah, the idea of the idea of it's a membership club. This is a uh-huh. members only club. 
This is uh-huh. not a this is not a regular. <laughs> not at all. No, yeah. no, no, no. Nobody can just walk in here and yeah. order a drink. Okay, yeah. we have a very exclusive clientele that we we wish to protect. All right. They are like uh, there's there's some sergeant that like bought a brand new sixty something Mustang with this kickback money. Oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. It is yeah. very fine and is now probably in a in a in a lot. He probably willed it. To his dipshit son, yeah, who crashed it, yeah, and now it's just beyond repair because they don't make that type of engine anymore, and it's just sitting in somebody's driveway, undrivable, right? Because this idiot son crashed crashed his dad's Cadillac that he bought with dirty kickback money. All right, yeah, yeah, and you've probably driven past it. I know I've driven past it. Yeah, you know the one. Also, the bouncer at the Stonewall Inn is this guy, Blonde Frankie, who's got like a very good memory for faces, and he kind of knows who has been there, who hasn't been there, and just has a, a generally uh, a little bit of uh, acumen, right? He's able to discern like, okay, is this a cop? Is this not a cop? Yeah. Also, you have you have the it's a, primarily a dance club, like that's what it's that's what it's known for. Everybody's having a good time. You've yeah. got the front room, which David Carter describes as kind of like the white room, and yeah. then the back room where all the black people and Puerto Rican people would would hang out. And the back room is a little more quieter, and there's like different music playing in each each room, and they're catering each to kind of a different clientele. It's got those two two dance floors, and it be kind of. It becomes like a mecca for gay people in New York. Huh, that's it's interesting. Even the intersectionality, the segregation is is that happening because it, they're mandating it to, or like the mobs like, look, I'll run this. I don't think so. I think <laughs> it just kind of happened naturally. But uh, David Carter also did describe, like you know, that particularly like young white men would would hang out in the back room as well. But it also said that like the back room was a little more quiet, and oh, that's okay. where you could like talk and stuff you know okay and it's a all different type of like gay and lesbian and queer people but it's i think david carter also mentions that it's like dominantly gay men but also some some queens as well he calls it like scare queens and flame queens i don't know exactly what that means but it's a it's yeah i mean this is like this is i mean the, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know too much about the the LGBTQ uh, plus community, so I, I don't want to be yeah. like, no, nah, this is how it is. Yeah, I don't even know if that's the acronym anymore. You know, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, it might be I. I've heard IA. It's you know, yeah. And the Stonewall Inn is also not ideal for a, a number of reasons, although it is more or less a safe place. It's not the safest place by any means. First of all, you've got inadequate plumbing. There's like no hot water or dishwashing equipment, really, as far as the dishwashing would concern, is they kind of like rinse the glasses and then just reuse them. And this led at one point to an outbreak of hepatitis at the Stonewall Inn. Uh, the mob is also like selling drugs mm-hmm. out of the club, and they're like watering down the alcohol and charge, which was illegal according to the SLA's mandates or whatever. And they're charging really high price for the drinks. On top of that, you've got this shady character, Ed Murphy, aka the Skull, who's like a former uh, wrestler, a former dentistry burglar. He hit, he robbed like ninety three different dentists who knew yeah and he's also 
You gotta have a thing. You gotta have a thing. You gotta. You have to find a niche. <laughs> yeah. And you have to double. You have to monopolize that niche. That's how yeah. you do it. And you know, takes all different shapes and sizes, uh-huh. right? He found uh-huh. his niche. Good for him, I guess. Bad for the dentists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he was also uh, his primary uh, cash cow was running this national blackmail ring for gay men, who uh, their biggest catch, the biggest fly they caught in their web was none other than J. Edgar Hoover and his companion Clyde Tolson. And there's like this huge FBI cover-up of the fact that J. Edgar Hoover was like not only gay, but also like a cross-dresser, which mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that, no. unless you're the FBI, right? Yeah, it's a, that's a... That's one of those moments, like when you get that on tape, like when you get that, you're do, you're in the blackmail game. You get that yeah. on tape. That's yeah. almost something that you just leave. You're just like, I don't want this because this yeah. is fucking trouble. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, not exactly because they they squeeze a fair amount of money off of, out of out of the FBI and pro- tax taxpayer money. <laughs> yeah. Taxpayer yeah, money going to pay off these <laughs> allocations. Yep. yep. All right. <laughs> oh, that's a shit show. <laughs> And Ed Murphy, he would post up in the Stonewall Inn in part in order to like find new targets. And so it being like a members-only club, he obviously has an angle in getting people to give up their personal information and like some of the I think some of the waiters and maybe even just like regular clients who are also in on the on the ring would talk to people and then you get them you get them to the point where they feel comfortable, and then you're like, "Oh, what's your name? Where do you work?" And then once you have those two things, yeah. you can nail them, especially like Wall Street guys. Yeah, yeah. It's just so uh, ha- yeah. That's 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 that's, it's, that's how it seems like. Uh, again, I, I don't remember where I, where this I read or or what it was about, like or saw, but like that idea of like people go down to the village. And they're just in this world that's completely different. And then they just go back and they're just like, now I'm like that father or that son. And I, people still do that. But this at this time specifically, this was like, yeah. And yeah. Just to get caught up by some guy who's fucking been robbing Dennis. <laughs> Known as the skull. Yeah, the skull. Yeah. Okay. It's scary. It's scary time, yeah. you know. It's June 28th of 1969. This is where we finally get to the riots. The they break out whenever there's a police raid on the Stonewall Inn. It's conducted by Seymour Pine, and it turns violent. There's like this this butch lesbian being pushed into the back of a van. Some say it's a, a black person, or I think she's like half black. Stormy De Larvery, yeah, Larvery. But yeah. I I'm not sure if that's like confirmed or not. At least that's what that's what Wikipedia said. Yeah. And but whoever it is, they're they're like fighting against being pushed into the back of this van, and there's this congregation of people just grows and grows because the, this time I think the police are arresting like, or at least trying to arrest all of the patrons as well as the management, but they don't have enough police forces. And meanwhile, some people are leaving the Stonewall Inn and going and saying like, hey, there's a raid on the Stonewall Inn and people Mm -hmm. are coming out to be like, oh, I want to watch, you know? Yeah. And so the crowd of people just kind of grows and grows and grows. And then they're like trying to force this woman into this, into the back, back of the van and start by throwing change 
and they start by throwing bottles. Yeah. And then the police kind of are like uh, getting bad vibes. And so they hold themselves up inside of the Stonewall Inn and like protesters start yeah. throwing garbage bins and like bricks at the building. And then they rip out a parking meter and start yeah. using that as a battering ram against the heavy yeah. doors of the Stonewall Inn because the mob knew that these raids were going to happen. So they buy the fucking thickest doors imaginable to, yeah. just in in case of this only now instead of the police trying to break down the doors you've got gay people trying to break down the doors yeah the assault on the the front door and the west window there are like molotovs being thrown at this point like trash cans full of flaming debris the police are using like a fire hose inside of the building to put out the flames and also to, uh, like spray the crowd at some points yeah. and the hose isn't very strong and pine is kind of like holding it down because they do have guns and they, there are, like, people kind of through the cracks that I think they could shoot at. But Pine is like, yo, there's way more of them. Nobody needs to die over this. This is kind of like... It's never stopped the police before. <laughs> the, way, the way Carter tells it, this, this yeah. time it did. He was sincerely concerned about escalating the tension, escalating the situation to a point yeah. where, you know, he was, like, trying to keep everyone cool. Of course. And then eventually, like, firemen and tactical patrol forces, or TPF, who are, like, riot police and yeah. other police show up, and they provide reinforcements for Pine and his guys inside of the Stonewall Inn. Riot police just descend on the rest of the crowd yeah. throughout. This is, like, I think it's early. It was a Friday night, yeah. but June 28th. This happens at, like, 1 a.m., so Saturday morning, yeah. technically. And so... Like, all throughout Saturday morning, there's kind of this back-and-forth yeah. pursuit around Sheridan Square and Christopher Street. Yeah. Now, one thing that becomes prominent in, like, both both nights of, of rioting, there's one point where, like, a bunch of people just form, like, a kick line. And so the, the riot police are, like, coming after them. Yeah. And then in this kind of, like, flamboyant show of defiance... Yeah. You get all these people just locked arms and doing like a Rockets style kick line. Like yeah. we're not afraid of you. You guys are, you guys are you guys want to prove all your machismo? Yeah. Come and come and do it, you know? Yeah, it's a it's I, I think the when we refer to things as riots, right? Like I think a lot of times yeah. some walls refer to it as like a rebellion or an uprising. Yeah. Uh, for like kind of that purpose. Is that like it's it's no longer like just mass chaos. It's kind of like defined rebellion to an oppression that you've been feeling. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, you know what I mean? Fucking like, like, we're going to rock it. We're going to rock it. We're going to kick these guys. Well, they're also going to see how good I can rock it. Exactly. And, and yeah. So I've been putting the work in on these splits, all right? And I want it to be known. Okay. I respect any, I respect any man who can, who has, who can split and do splits. I oh, for real. That it's pretty, yeah. it's, yeah. I, it, I don't I, have yeah. the hips. My joints don't work like that anymore. No, I respect you for having the flexibility. The, I don't know. To Let be me able. tell you something about my cartilage. All right. Yeah. Disrepair. Yeah. No, that's, that's all of us. That's all of us. Except, I am except, except I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what yours is from. I, w- I wish I knew, man. Atrophy. Yeah. Muscular apathy. <laughs> I don't know. No, so, mine, I know mine. Mine is from the ball. Come on, all them football playing days, dog. Come okay, on. that's fair. You know what I mean? Now that's a that's a true that's a true hard fight history. The history of my football career. Mine just that's might not be for the day, from, from adolescent alcoholism. That's man to keep it real. Not as real sad. <laughs> so the night 
there are also like innocents caught in the crossfire crosshairs who just kind of wanted to come out and see uh, what's going on and like yeah. you know uh other side of like the the kick line is that there are batons on flesh and people are being pretty severely beaten and blood is flowing i don't think anyone dies though i think i think the next day somebody does die but nobody, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't i don't think there were any casualties so later Saturday night, because that was Friday night, getting into Saturday night, so this would still be June 28th, 1969, about 2,000 people mobilize as a result of, like, word spreads that this occurred, and there's another demonstration taking place, and what David Carter mentioned is that these are mostly, like, scare queens and flame queens, and I guess more what we would think of as, like, non-binary or transgender, but he's saying that there's not as heavy as, like, a, a masculine gay presence or, like, a butch presence, that it's more... Yeah. It's not so much that. Because when I've heard about Stonewall, I've heard about the, 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 the more, like, trans, kind of queer, non-binary people being at the forefront. So they're the people who come the fuck back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, they're like yeah. oh, word? Oh, y'all pussy? Yeah. Y'all ran? Nah. <laughs> I think, the, and again, the way the way Carter tells it, they were almost more marginalized and more on the outs yeah. than were more masculine or butch gays. Yeah, that's. I again, I don't want to talk about the history because I don't really know. Yeah, it I don't. Way. I don't know. I'm, uh, just, I'm relying like, on him. The the like gay the like masculine gay people, their struggle is you know hard, of course. But then there's yeah. there's deeper levels of pressure yeah, when you get to like yeah. being like a trans person. Like, yeah. you know, women, lesbians, and then, you know, queer people, and then you get into trans and, like, queer stuff, and you're like, those people are, are still very oppressed. That, that everybody's very yeah. oppressed. But, it's, yeah. more, it's more visible as well. Yeah. It's not as immediately apparent. Or it's more immediately apparent, I guess. Yeah. 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 And so the TPF, or the riot police and police squads from, like, several districts, not just the sixth, are mobilized, and there's more kick lines. And this time you've got like some hetero solidarity with people who just stand with like the gay people just coming out and just kind of like the way Carter described it is they're just kind of rooting themselves is that there was this passive form of resistance where yeah. you could you could not actively antagonize the police, but mm -hmm. also make it harder for them to do their job just yeah. by like standing there. The yeah. crowd dispersed at around 3.30 a.m. on on Sunday and I guess the thing to stress is that there's almost a complete reversal is that gay people are like out in the streets. Yeah. You know, it used to be holed up inside of the Stonewall Inn. That's the only place you have to be inside in order to see this world. But now that world is out mobilizing in the street. It's 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 out, you know, and there's 2000 out in the streets. Mm -hmm, like, for sure. So, yeah. like, that's just, yeah, like, just from nothing, this, like, invisible world to all of a sudden there's 2,000 people on the fucking streets demanding their shit. It's Stomping all over Christopher Street. Like, yeah. hey, this is bullshit, you know? Yeah. Literally doing kick lines on Christopher Street. Like, yeah. hey, we're here, you know? <laughs> yeah. And another thing I thought was kind of cool is that during these two nights of protests, there are, like, flaming toilet paper rolls are being dropped from the windows of the woman's house of D. And so they've, like... The uh, the police eventually they wall off Christopher Street, and then the the chant that you hear the thing that people are shouting is uh, Christopher Street is for the Queens. Yeah, this gets into the third and final act, which I'll call the fire. So in the aftermath of these two three nights of protest, 
uh, flyers start to circulate that read, get the mafia and the cops out of gay bars. And there are, you know, people are just kind of talking to each other about what's going on, recounting the incidents, getting the word out. And they're asking for gay businessmen to open legal bars and serve them. And people start to boycott the Stonewall Inn and similar mob-run establishments because it's like, hey, you guys shouldn't have this monopoly. We should have, or there shouldn't be anyone to monopolize. We should just be served. But we're sure as hell not going to patronize mob bars anymore because yeah, why would we, you know? Yeah. And they're writing to Mayor John Lindsay to ask for an investigation and kind of a reassessment on police practices. And there's like a prior legal precedent. I don't remember exactly what the case was, but there's this Judge Keating. He had ruled that there was, quote, nothing illegal per se about a gay bar. So there's already some legislation on the books or maybe not legislation per se, but uh, some precedents, right? So June 29th, 1969, which is uh, Sunday, there's not as heavy of a demonstration, but there was a heavy police presence. What I thought was funny was the some gay people responding to the fact that there's a heavy police presence like in Greenwich Village and on Christopher Street. They go to the 6th District Police Precinct and they have all of these equality for homosexual bumper stickers that they just slap all over the police vehicles. And yeah. the police come back and are like, ah, <laughs> some of them are, some of them actually have like a good humor about it. They're like, they got us, you know? Yeah. So then July 1st or 2nd of 1969, there's a Wednesday night protest. And this time the protesters are joined by like other leftist groups and gay people have kind of different opinions on that. Some of them are like, oh, this is good. Um, Intersectional solidarity, cool. Yeah. But then others are like, uh, they're kind of like trying to co-opt what mm-hmm. we're doing mm-hmm. and make it about their movement. And it's like we need to have our own movement, you know. So there are yeah. uh, diff- differing opinions on whether that helped or hurt. There's like a hot flare-up of activity on Wednesday night, and it's put down by police fairly quickly. But at this point, like the cat is out of the bag. The call to activism is being answered. Yeah. July 31st, 1969, there's a meeting of more radical gay people at Alternate U. I don't know if Alternate U still exists, but it's like a leftist organizing center slash school in Greenwich Village. And they agree to brand themselves now as the Gay Liberation Front, or GLF. And they meet with other like pro-gay and lesbian organizations, start advocating for gay power. And they wear like a lavender armband to identify themselves as affiliated yeah. with this movement. And they start doing other things like holding dances. The GLF does. They hold dances, which is like not mob run. Yeah. And, you know, you just pay at the door and you can drink and socialize and not really have to not have to worry. You know, you're no longer holed up in what's a what's a not so safe space, arguably, but the only space that would cater to you. And now it's like, no, we're here. We're going to hold our fucking dance, and if you have a problem with that, <laughs> go fuck yourself, you know? Yeah, there's not just some dude named The Skull just, the sc- <laughs> just, just creeping on down you just like in the corner. of everybody. Yeah, just trying to fucking blackmail you. <laughs> 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 trying to get some hot coin, right? Yeah. And they uh, also start like writing, writing a newspaper and encouraging people to like be themselves out openly and not be ashamed. And they also another thing is that they demand the right to have bulletin bars in or bulletin boards in yeah. bars that they frequented, which sounds like a minor thing now, but it was actually pretty pretty big thing then. 
And another issue they had was they tried to take out an advertisement in this newspaper called The Village Voice. I guess a Greenwich Village Voice. Yeah. It's just known as The Village Voice. But yeah. uh, to try to take the ad out for like a dance that they were having. And uh, they have to fight for the right just to get the words like gay or homosexual printed in a paid in an advertisement they were they themselves are paying for because the village voice and the network guys said that those words were obscene and it's like well we're paying for the advertisement so you should just print what the fuck we want you to and we'll tell you whether or not it's obscene you know yeah that's what's interesting the village voice is like the known like leftist kind of yeah. like yeah, pretty liberal ass paper and they, yeah that's yeah. even then we're like eh, i don't know yeah. about our readers this is also the time when like the the new york post was also was leftist i guess or it was you I'm know not speak and on they the were post, like man post is wilding <laughs> they had a real they've had a weird trajectory because you, you i've read about some stuff of like oh the new york post used to used to be down <laughs> yeah yeah no the post yeah okay <laughs> So last Sunday in June is known as Christopher Street Liberation Day. That's the anniversary of the Stonewall riots. There are Stonewall uprising, yeah. Stonewall protests. There's no reason to assume last Sunday of this June is not. It w- it will be the anniversary of Christopher Street Liberation Day. Yeah. November 1969, the GLF Gay Liberation Front kind of falls apart due to disagreements about how broad they should be and like whether they should cooperate with other oppressed peoples or not or make it exclusively about no let's just get let's just achieve gay rights Mm -hmm. you know and so it kind of falls apart in november and the prominent leaders are meeting to discuss like how should they continue primary three that david carter mentioned uh marty robinson jim owls and arthur evans are like the most important figures in the new group devoted exclusively to gay issues while still expressing solidarity with others known as the gay activist alliance or gaa mm-hmm. and the first action item is to get the pesky new york councilwoman carol greitzer to introduce a bill outlawing discriminatory she was like a known homophobe basically yeah. um out get her to introduce her herself to introduce really? yeah because, wow. you know, she's been so or she's like refused to even acknowledge a petition that they've circulated and refused to meet with them several times. And they're like, no, she we're going to write this petition to get her to introduce a bill outlawing discriminatory hiring practices and uh, ending discrimination against like homosexual businesses or gay run businesses. We're going to get her to introduce that bill. And eventually yeah. they do like corner her at some meeting and are basically like, yo, Carol, why haven't you read our petition? As He's like, I, yeah, and eventually as, she she does. As as we all should do to all our representatives at all times, mm-hmm. these, they start these, showing up and just bother the shit out of them. Make it make bother. it hard. These, you're my bitch. <laughs> I yeah, you I, represent I own, me. I own you. <laughs> I'm making this demand of you. Yeah. Why have you not responded? You gotta embarrass them, man. You yeah. gotta make them feel embarrassed. Yeah. We gotta shame our politicians. That's yeah. what we gotta start nah, doing, man. We gotta. We gotta you know how often I write to fucking Kevin Brady. Yeah. I'm glad he was resigning, but I have had words with that man. Okay. You do seem like somebody who writes to the congressman. And Ted Cruz, for that matter. I don't. Even I, know. I I I've I've called Ted Cruz's office just to be like, hey, fuck you, big dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to let off steam. Sometimes, yeah. is you know, I've had a bad day. Let me call Ted Cruz and tell. 
<laughs> tell they don't him pick about up. what a piece of shit he is. Yeah, I know. I I always uh, I always ask for a, a demand back uh, that his secretary probably writes because he doesn't fucking read the shit or yeah. whoever writes it back for me is like, oh well, this is why I did this shitty thing. Here's this fucking piece of bedeviled sophistry. I'm yeah. Like, All right, cool asshole. Good to know. Good to know you're. I hope that I hope that SMU degree is worth what you're doing right now, big dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, mm-hmm. the 80k you paid SMU to go there and graduate and be Ted Cruz's bitch, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah, yeah, I, man. Yeah, I've like encouraged people to resign from his office. Been like, you should resign. Don't work for this traitor. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> shame them. Shame them. Okay. Shame the politicians. Okay. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm yeah. saying. March 1970. There's pressure on Mayor John Lindsay outside of City Hall. There are, like, increasing demonstrations. Same month, Seymour Pines raids more gay bars. At one, I think it was particularly, or it was important, it was called the Snake Pit. They arrest about 160 customers with plans to, like, weed out the management at the station and let everybody else go. And there's this guy, this young Argentinian man, Diego Vinales. Yeah. He has an expired visa. And he's kind of afraid. He's been hauled into the station now. And he's pretty afraid of of being deported. And so he, like, runs away from processing, I guess, and runs up some stairs and, like, jumps out of a window. Yeah. And impales his leg on a fence while trying to escape. And this gets, like, huge press coverage and so there's like new waves of protests and more militant activism yeah and finally in april 1970 they've like uh, the gaa is is and like gay people and gay movements broadly are like gaining publicity they start yeah. like aggressively ambushing mayor Lindsay. like mm-hmm. he's at the the he gives a speech at the the anniversary of the metropolitan museum of art and just yeah. a bunch of people from the GAA show up and like shake his hand but won't let go and are just demanding that he's like come out in favor of homosexual rights, you know, just bombarding yeah. him yeah. with all of this as flack. We all should do as we all, all should, right? <laughs> and also during like a TV interview uh, on the 19th, so that same month, all these members of the GAA, like a bunch, just buy tickets and just heckle the shit out of them. But they sit in all different areas of the crowd and are just like. When are you gonna stop being such an asshole? But like demand yeah. much more eloquent than that, you yeah. know, just demand that he meet with them and like take a concrete stance in favor of gay rights. And he yeah. he eventually does so as well. And the GAA they stage a number of other like I don't wanna I, I think of them as publicity stunts, but yeah. I don't want it to have that like negative connotation because they're actually like quite clever. Like one of them they go to a, a marriage registration office and they yeah. all work the desks and say like oh i'm sorry we're only issuing marriage licenses to gay people like are you gay and just stuff like that you know very yeah. very aggressive stunts public to, action public, public action yeah to get attention and there's like a, a growing number of gay and lesbian organizations start popping up everywhere and like raise awareness of the issue and this is kind of the the origin of or at least a, a a watershed for gay rights, shall we call it, is the yeah. Stonewall, Stonewall uprising, Stonewall protests. Yeah. But the Stonewall in itself closes down. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a uh, we, we uh, it's a uh, it's interesting because you know you hear I've heard about you know the gay rights movement, gay liberation front. I've definitely heard of 
and I'm, but I, I'm also like what I've heard a lot is about like that that comeback that we talked about, where it's like these uh, uh, more like trans queer people, uh, specifically like a lot of them were like brown or black. I don't know, like Puerto Rican, black, African American. Yeah. And they and that's and, and like that being the moment of like, yeah we. We're not gonna take. We're not gonna take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, exactly. We're not gonna mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. vibe, and like that's the beginning of like now a more. I don't know. I don't know how you say this. Active militant gay rights gay aggressive. liberation movement. Yeah, aggressive. Yeah. yeah, that's the right word. Yeah. All right. But I just thought it was interesting how you go from the the Stonewall Inn being this place where gay people used to congregate. Yeah. And then the raid happened. And then a result of that is, wait, like, why the fuck are we congregating here? Why are yeah. we paid? Why do we have to do this? You know? Yeah. And then. It's, it's, it's weird. It's uh, the things that, like, awake people's, like. Yeah. Yeah. They, they might have. People might have been saying it before. But mm-hmm. after that moment of, like, street action. Yeah. Bust down. You're not going to go back to the same. No. Take no. the same abuse. Because you've. That was the whole thing. About, that for my understanding of Stonewall Rights. It's this incredible release of frustration at this yeah. oppressive ass police and to just society in general. Yeah, and then this, they released the that straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, and then now you're not gonna just go back and be like, oh, mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Now we're just gonna go back because they got good pizza there. Go back into the shadows. Yeah, to see, you know. <laughs> yeah, no. I really that. like their jukebox <laughs> selection. Yeah. You know? yeah. What are you gonna do? They had every single ludicrous album. And I can't get that nowhere. Else. All so I the go Otis Redding <laughs> we could listen to. All the Otis Redding, all right? It's funny. I say that because they did listen to it. He, he was mentioned. That's my, that's a, that's, I just love the fact that Otis Redding was played in bars where he couldn't actually go to the bars. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. like, mm. <laughs> well, guys, uh, that has been our episode on the Stonewall uh, Stonewall Riot, Stonewall Rebellion, Stonewall Upper. I'm gonna call it the Stonewall Rebellion because that that okay. Uh, right. Yeah, no, this is that's been our episode on the Stonewall Rebellion, uh, guys. We want to thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for thank you for liking our stuff. Please continue to like, share, subscribe. Next week, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're gonna do Harvey Milk. Yeah, we said it a week ago. If you listen to it in chronological order, but we're uh-huh. doing it. We're gonna do it this week. We're doing it this week. Yep. <laughs> And we're gonna and, and we're gonna go through the life and times of Harvey Milk, um, uh, and then from there, guys. Again, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, please like, follow, share, subscribe, or do all of our stuff. Uh, please follow us at Hard for History on Instagram and Facebook. HFH Podcast on Twitter. Follow me at Joshua B Stokes on Instagram and Facebook, and Joshua Stokes on wait Joshua B Stokes on Instagram and Instagram and Twitter, and Joshua Stokes on Facebook. Henry, where can they follow you at? You got Henry E. Price on IG, just Henry Price on Facebook. Okay, guys. We want to thank you again. We'll see you next time. Love you. Stay safe out there. Okay? Peace.